Right on. We're in the series called Summer Playlist. Some of you have a playlist, and uh, you just go right to the classics, right to the hits. You made a playlist because you're like, these are some hits. These are, and so that's what we do uh, each time, one time a month. Uh, each year in the summer, we just say, all right, we're not going to get into a series that's threaded together of ideas. We're just going to, we're going to jump into some of the hits. And I say that with a little bit of an asterisk, because as I put these two sermons uh, this week's and next week's, as I planned them, they actually found a way of kind of turning into a little mini series. So as much as this isn't a series, these two weeks do kind of go together. I would almost call this week the intro into next week. Uh, But I've been uh, really excited about this sermon Um, It's a life sermon for me. It's something that I think back on often when I think of this idea. It's something that kind of reminds me, oh, you got to remember, you got to remember this about God. You got to remember this about God and the way that he works. And so I actually preached a version of this sermon in September of our first year. So it's been about five years now. And, uh, but I really want you to hear this today. We're going to talk about what happens when God speaks to you or nudges you or reveals something to you. But before it comes true, like, what do you do in the middle? Like, how does the middle work? Because we all get these promptings, these inspirations. We get these words from God. Maybe he even clearly spoke to you audibly, and he shows you this thing to do. But it hasn't come true yet, and then there's this middle. So we talked a lot last month about, like, don't give up and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not even talking about a discouraging. I'm not talking about, you know, don't quit in the middle, none of that. I'm not even talking about any of that thing. I'm just talking about there's this God said it. He showed me it. He's revealed it to me. I believe it's going to be true, and it's going to end up like this. But now there's this middle. And here's what I hate about how we talk as Christians. People always say this. They always say, well, you know, God's plan. You know, God's plan. God's And I'm over here just like, like, has anyone seen God's plan? (laughs) Is that even a thing? Like, I wish God would give me the plan. Some of you are like, well, wait a minute, we have the Bible. Okay, I'm with you. (laughs) And here's how I'm going to kind of break that down for you. God's word is the plan. It's the plan for our lives. He has an incredible plan for us. We know that the scripture says that God's plan are, are good and to prosper us. We know that God has good plans for us. But I don't know about you, I've never got an email from God that's like, here's the plan. And you open it, you're like, oh, phew. And on this day, I'm going to do this thing. And on this thing, I'm going to, don't you wish you could have that? Here's the exact plan of how it's all going to come together. God showed you something. He's nudging you. He's revealing. He's inspiring you. But it's like, God, I just wish you could give me the plan. God's plans are good for you and to give you a future and a promise. And all of that part is true about God's plan, yes. But how many of you know we still don't have the plan for it, do we? And so you got this whole between thing that you go like, okay, God, how do I walk in this? How do I work in this? What's the plan? My best example for you is this. A coach would bring in somebody and he would say to the quarterback, he would say, okay, here's the plan. We're going to run this play. But how many of you know the coach can't say, well, the linebacker's going to come over and do this, and the safety's going to come down and do this? He can't say how the defense is going to react to that, right? What the quarterback does is says, I trust the coach in the play and the assignment that he's put on my life. Now I'm going to go execute this thing in faith and trust. Are you with me? That's actually God's plan is I'm going to call you to it, I'm going to sign you into it, and then you're going to run out there in faith because the scripture says it's impossible to please God without faith, right? So in faith, you run with what God spoke and you watch how things happen and in the process, in the middle, you trust God, don't we? That's God's plan. It's just 
get out there and trust me and follow me. Are you with me? And the Bible's full of people that like God said it and they went out and they moved into it. And then are you with me? So we're going to kind of talk about that. Okay, what, what do you do in the middle of it? Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3 says this. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls toward the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, it shall lie. That's deep, right? If a tree falls, wherever it falls, that's where it's going to be. You came here on a holiday weekend to hear these kinds of truths, didn't you? It says this, he who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. So whoever is out there paying attention to the wind and the clouds, and you're not going to make a decision until it all looks perfect, and you're not going to sow until you got the plan. Are you tracking with me this morning? It's saying, hey, you're not going to reap. If you're waiting for things to be perfect, it never will. If you're waiting for the perfect time to trust God, it's now. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect, it never will. But if you're waiting for the perfect time to trust God, that time is right now. Amen. Well, I better get this put together and I better get this put. No, 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 no. Right now is the time that if God spoke it, he revealed it, he's nudging you, he's encouraging you into it, even though it doesn't make all the sense, you, now is the time to trust God and move forward. Are you with me? I thought about this. Victory and breakthrough, so many times in Scripture, the victory and the breakthrough that people were believing for, it rode in on the back of trust. 191 times in Scripture, God moved or he gave a credit to or he gave a positive statement to somebody based on the fact that the Scripture said they trusted God or they moved out with trust or they, it had something to do with trust. 191 times the victory or the breakthrough was linked to this idea of not, oh, I got the plan and I executed it. Instead, it was I walked out in faith based on this thing called trust. Are you with me this morning? So God speaks it, he reveals it, he shows it, you know it's going to happen, but what do we do in the middle? We believe and we trust God and we go out and we know that he's going to make all things work together for good to those that believe. Victory and your breakthrough, it rides in in the, this thing called trusting God. Not equations, not man's advice, not the best business plan. Oh, I just got to go talk to the pastor then I'm going to feel good about it. If I can talk to, oh, if I can go get, you know, if I can meet with the right business people and I can get the perfect business model, we can write the best plan, then I'm going to be okay. No, no, no. If you trust God and you follow, are you with me? Right. And, but we put so much energy and effort on like equations. You lay awake at night thinking about it again and again and again. You just keep thinking and worrying and anxiety. And you just are waiting for God to give you the plan and the equation. And that's not how God works. He says, trust me. Trust in what? Faith. Faith. With, without faith, it's impossible. Well, faith is an unknown. You're, you don't know. You're using your faith. Are you with me? Verse 5. As you do not know, so we're still reading Ecclesiastes in verse 5, it says this, As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. You don't understand how all that's working. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. The scripture is telling us you're not going to know everything about the works of God. Well, I'm going to wait. I got to read one more book of the month. Then I'm going to be built up enough to go start trusting and following God and what he's called me. You're not going to know all the works of God and how he's doing it. And you say, well, oh, I couldn't live like that. Oh, but you do live like that. 
because most of you couldn't explain to me how electricity works and you still use it, right? 130 octillion things had to happen from conception to birth in order for us to be here, in order for us or for you to bring a child into this world. You didn't wait until you learned 130 octillion things happening in the womb in order for you to bring a child into this world, did you? No, we move out in faith all the time in our natural world. And we, but when it comes to things that, oh, we better wait. We better be careful. Are you hearing me today? Between what God's saying and what he's revealing and then its accomplishment, it's going to take great faith for us in the middle. Verse 6 says this. So in the morning, so what do we do when we can't figure it all out and we don't have the perfect plan and God hasn't emailed us the plan? So what do you do when you don't? Well, it says it right here in verse 6. It says, in the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or both alike will be good. The scripture saying you sow anyway, you go anyway, you, you move out in faith anyway. You don't go back and watch the clouds and watch the wind and pay attention to everything until it's perfect. No, say you just go out and you start going because you don't know which one God's going to put his sovereign hand on and bring into prosperity in your life. Are you with me? We need people to be moving out and trusting God so he can prosper some things in the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about money. Amen. Farmers don't wait for everything to be perfect. Oh, it's planting season. I'm waiting for the weatherman to tell me what every single day of the summer is going to look like. It's not possible. You go out and you put seed in the ground and you believe that in that season, you'll make the proper adjustments. You'll do what you have to do to bring about the harvest. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. God says plant and in the middle you work it with faith and trust and process and then you see the harvest. In the middle, you don't have God's plan. He doesn't send you the, but along the way you faith and you trust. Because why? Because God works all things together for good for those who believe. Amen. The problem is our culture, we love guarantee. We love instant everything. That's the problem. Is if God's going to speak it and show it and nudge me and prompt me, when he does that, he's going to have to show me how instantly I can see the result, right? We love guaranteed results. I bought a new push lawnmower this spring, and it literally says on it, guaranteed to start in two pulls because three would like take too much time, <laughs> right? I mean, literally, there was a room of people at Toro that was like, listen, if we can make a lawnmower that starts with two pulls, America will buy all of them, right? And I did. <clears throat> but you got to think of it. A room of professionals sat around and thought, you know what's really important to people? How quickly the result can come to them. You've heard this said before, I'm sure, on Facebook. We love, we're a microwave generation that serves a crockpot God, right? Right? And then we all, as Christians, we act like our kids. We keep showing up in God's kitchen as he's preparing something good for us. I'm hungry. I want it now. Right? How annoying is that for our kids? They're getting in the fridge when you're making dinner. Just hold on a minute. Trust me. Are you with me? In the process. That's all of us. God, where is it? Where is it? Keep trusting. Amen. You guys didn't like that, but that's okay. Matthew... That's why Ecclesiastes says, so anyway, just keep sowing. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. Uh, many of you have heard this, but I love this. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 says this in the English Standard Version. It says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, 
You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What do children do? Children trust you even when they don't have all the understanding. In its purest form of all of mankind, the age range or the place in humanity that trusts the most without all understanding is a child. And there's a lot of implications that Jesus was actually making here, but one of them is definitely this where he's saying, look, to make it in the things of God, to walk in all that I've assigned to you do, you have got to learn to trust me even when you don't have total understanding. But the problem is we grow up into our adulthood and we're like, we got to figure everything else and we have to debate it all and we have to have total understanding. And what we're saying is I really want to be able to do it all by myself. But he says the kingdom of heaven, the greatest of those that are, are those that can trust even when they don't have it all figured out and understood and got the plan. The greatest in the kingdom of those. Isn't that incredible? We don't love it. Because we want God to give you the plan. God, I thought that you had me and you took care of me. And why do you have me in such a vulnerable place? I can't believe that you got me in this spot right now. Well, be one of the greatest in the kingdom and trust him even when you don't understand. I love the story. You've heard me say it before. There's the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. We'll read the scripture here in a minute. But Jonathan is up against 250,000 people that are out to kill him. You can read it here in a minute if you don't believe me because it sounds so ridiculous. But his assignment from God is like, hey, you're going to go take over the land. You're going to have victory over them. And there's only two people, Jonathan and his armor bearer, to take out 250,000 people. And I love the honest conversation that they have here in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. Then Jonathan said to him who bore his armor, his armor bearer, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. He says this, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving many or by few. Like he's, like, he's saying, look, listen, God gave us a word. God gave us a plan. We're going to go after it. He's saying, we don't have a guarantee, right? He didn't say, like, look, here's the plan that God promised that he put on a tablet, and we got all the plan, and here's how it's going to happen. Here's how he said, look, God spoke it. God prompted us. God's inspired us to do it. This is what he showed us to go take. We're going to move out into this. And I love the honesty of his heart that says, Maybe. Can I tell you some of the greatest breakthroughs in my life, in this church's life, in people's life, in friends of mine's lives, their greatest breakthroughs would actually come from that same kind of language. Hey, I feel like God's called me to this. Hey, I feel like God wants us to do this. And he spoke to me and he promised me. And do I have a guarantee? No, I don't have a guarantee. I actually feel like I have more of a maybe. And they move out in faith and they trust God and they see the victory and the breakthrough. How many of you know people that it's worked like that for them? It actually works like that most of the time. And so I love his crazy armor bearer in verse 7. He says this, So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that's in your heart. Let's go. And what's amazing about this is they had to share what armor they had. (laughs) Because one was the armor bearer, the other one wasn't armed. And so they literally go through and they have success, but they go from the place of, Hey, this is a maybe. I don't have a guarantee. God didn't give me the play. But they go out anyway. I believe God has called us to that. And the problem is, even though... God spoke it and encouraged it. They still had to go fight the battle. They still had to go out and do it. They ran right at the problem. The thing with Christians is we get spiritually wise. We get so wise and we look at a situation and we go, oh, look at that. That's going to be a problem. Oh, look at that. 250,000. We got to go defeat that. And what we end up doing is saying, go get them, God. Be my deliverer. Don't we? 
get you, you do it, Lord. And he works and we sing the songs. This is how we fight our battles and God works on our behalf. And then we take ourselves out of the equation. God, go do it all for me. No, they had to run right into the middle of it, didn't they? And so many times God speaks us, prompts us, encourages us, but then he calls us to action even when we don't have the plan. Everybody's, I'm waiting on the next move of God. You are the next move of God. He's equipped you. He's called you. He's filled you with this spirit. Let's go out. Are you with me? So they ran right at their problem. We as Christians, we whine about it. We gossip about it. We complain about it. Oh, I can't believe they're calling me to. Are you with me today? They ran right at their problem. Why? Because nothing happens supernaturally until we do something in the natural. God, I want your supernatural power. Awesome. God wants you walking in your natural power and trusting him. Are you with me? God puts his super on our natural. That's how it works. That's why we pray. That's why we worship. That's why we praise. That's why we fast. That's why we tithe. That's why we do all those things that we do. Why? Because we're saying, God, here's our natural. Put your supernatural on it. I know it's holiday weekend. This is a tough one today. But, but that's what the process. God spoke it. He revealed it. He nudged it. What do we do? We start doing something. My sermon next week, I'm going to talk about how the scripture says that, uh, that Noah was called to build the ark. And the scripture said that he went and he started building the ark. And because he started building the ark, it shows, the scripture says it showed that Noah believed God. What was the testimony that showed that Noah was a person who believed in God and believed God? What was the testimony? The testimony was that he was a man of action. God spoke it and he started getting to work about it. Are you with me? And so this has got to be us. It doesn't matter if we have the plan or don't have the plan or don't have all the steps. we got to move out in what God is speaking and nudging to us. Amen. Psalm 56, 3, I love it when David says, even when I'm afraid, I trust you. I move out. I go anyway. Uh, there's this story in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. Uh, there's a leper who wants to be healed. You should read the story. 2 Kings chapter 5. We don't have time to read it now. But if you read the story, there's this leper, which if you're a leper, you can't be around people. You're very like outcast. You're very looked down upon because of the way that you can transfer this. And so uh, he goes to the prophet and he's believing. You literally read the scripture. Uh, he goes to the prophet and he literally says, I'm hoping the prophet was going to wave a wand or pray a special prayer over me and I instantly be healed. But instead, the prophet says, I need you to go down to the river and dip seven times. And then when you come out after the seven times of dipping, you're going to have this perfectly healed skin. You're going to be completely restored. The scripture says two times. One time it says he's angry. The other time he says he's in a rage because of the way that, that this plan is now sending him to the river. He actually gets into this conversation with the guy that's with him. He's like, this isn't even the best river for me to go get healed. Why didn't he send me to this one or that one? Like, why is he sending me to this one? Complaining about the way God's doing it. Can I get an Amen complaining about the way God's doing it. So anyway, of angry, annoyed, frustrated, mad about the process, he obediently goes all the way down to the river, dips seven times, gets completely healed. What am I trying to say? When God speaks it and nudges you and inspires you and encourages you to something, that thing in the middle might not even feel the way you want it to feel, but if you walk in obedience, you'll still get the result you want to. Are you with me? Oh, I wish I didn't have to go through this. Oh, I wish I didn't have to do this. Just stay. You can even be angry. He was. Just don't let it alter. You know, you understand what I'm saying. But he went and walked in obedience and walked all the way down and did what the prophet told him to. And he saw the result in the middle, even without the plan. You trust God and you go. Amen. I'll close with this. 
We know the story of Esther. And uh, the scripture says in Esther chapter 4, we won't read it now, but it says this, that uh, Esther is living in a time where her people, the Jews, are going to be uh, killed. She's going to basically lose all her family and everyone that she loves. And the scripture says in verse 11 that the king had given this uh, announcement that if anybody comes into the palace or the king's court without permission, uh, they're to be killed. And so if the scepter, if he's holding up his scepter, uh, you know, then you're allowed and then, you know, you're not going to be killed. Your life will be saved. And so Esther has no promise. She hears from God that she's to get herself ready. She goes on a fast and she does some things to spiritually prepare herself to be able to go into the king and give a plea for her people. But there was no promise about how it was going to work. There was no plan. There was no exact. Now, God spoke and that's a promise. You understand what I'm saying? But there was no, like, this is exactly how it's going to happen. And this is where uh, an army is going to be waiting for you. And this is how I'm going to. She had to completely move out in faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So scripture says she does all that she needs to do spiritually. She prepares herself. And the scripture says, when you read it, that before she even comes around the corner to the king's court, he hadn't even seen who or what it was. He's holding up his scepter and he's saying, whoever it is, whatever you want, you can have it up to half of my kingdom. Supernatural provision without a perfect plan. Are you hearing me this morning? God's speaking it. He's nudging it. He's prompting you. It's going to come to pass, but I don't know how in the middle. And you're probably not going to know how in the middle, but I'll tell you what, after it happens, you'll never give the middle back. All of us have that experience. Oh, the middle was so hard and I didn't have God's plan. I was so afraid, right? But then you look back on it and you go, but I'll never give that middle back because that middle did what? It produced, produced like we preached about a couple weeks ago, the perseverance and all that you needed. It produced all that you needed to make it to King's Court. Are you with me? I'll say it like this. I believe much of what God has for you is tied to what you don't currently understand. God, I don't understand. In the middle, I don't have the plan. I know much of what is tied to you and for you and I have for you, you don't understand right now. But when you do, that's when you'll get the harvest. Much of what God has, the victory, the breakthrough, all of the things that he's trying to get to you and through you and for you is somewhere lost right now in the God, I don't understand it. That's why the scripture says about God that there's hidden mysteries in him. Why? Because as we pursue those hidden things in God, guess who we find? God and his truths and his ways, right? And so you pursue him, you pursue him. I know this is cliche, but I want you to just think about these statements and the thing that you're struggling in. Right now, probably your breakthrough is connected to the thing that you feel bound to. Oh, God, just take this from me. I just don't want this. But if in that season you can trust him and hold on, that thing that you feel bound to will actually be the thing that produces your breakthrough. Are you with me? I know it's simple and it's cliche. Your victory will probably come out of the thing that right now feels like a defeat. Oh, I can't believe this. I blew it. I messed up. Look what I ruined. But what do we sing? We sing from the ashes of defeat because God is a resurrecting God, isn't he? So what feels like defeat is actually probably where your victory, 
we all say this like, oh God, I want to have a message for you. You've heard me say it and everybody preaches it. Where does your message come from? Your mess. <laughs> your mess comes, your message comes from your mess. Get, get through the mess. Trust God in the middle. Trust God without the perfect plan and all of the guarantees. You trust him because you're going to get that message that you're going to be able to share. We've heard it said like this, that your testimony, it's important that you have a testimony. We're going to give a whole series to it. Why? Because we overcome by our testimony. But where does that testimony come from? Your test, your test. We hate the test part. I don't understand the test. I don't understand. From here to here in the middle, there's testing that produces your testimony. But says, oh, I want to be a witness. I want to be able to witness. I want to be able to share. Share what? What you've witnessed. You want to share what you've witnessed. Here's something you need to know. Then you're going to have to witness some things with God. If you want to be a witness to the goodness of God, if you want to be a witness to the miraculous of God, if you want to be a witness for the power of God, you need to see, you need to witness those things which means you have to be in places of your life where those things are happening. And sometimes those places are pretty uncomfortable, right? But from here, God's speaking it. He wants to do it. He wants to reveal it to over here. In the middle, we just trust God. We follow God. We believe all things work together for good. You don't need to get an email with every step and every guarantee and every promise. You know that God is with you. Amen.